0: Something that I
1: think about or say often is imagine how boring the world would be if we were all the same person. It it wouldn't have any flavor, I guess. You can criticize a person and yes, sometimes criticism hurts because, I mean, medicine sometimes is bitter, but in the end, it heals you or it, it changes what needs to be changed. In India, the motto of the country is Satye Meo which means Truth Alone Triumphs. I love learning about religions. I want to help people to see that, the beauty in how similar they are more than how different they are. You don't know what kind of a difference your smile can make in the life of another
0: person. Jace Nath is a 19-year-old junior studying at the University of the Pacific in Stockton, California. He is majoring in international studies with a concentration in international relations and is minoring in Chinese. A Stockton native, Jace has had the wonderful privilege of being able to travel around the world and familiarize himself with new places. Since his childhood, Jace has a passion for learning languages and immersing himself in foreign cultures and traditions. Coming from a multi-ethnic background himself, He has always found it interesting how different people groups have interacted with each other throughout history, and how this has led to the rise of different social issues and innovations over time, and what can be done to improve these things. Currently, Jay speaks six languages and is working to advance himself in these languages and several more. He hopes to, one day, work with others to bridge cultural gaps and promote understanding of the great beauty that can be found within diversity. Jay seeks to inspire others to show a love for humanity through the inspiration of faith, virtue of patience, and a general desire of peace. I met Jace this past fall of 2018 when I was a graduate student at the University of the Pacific in the pool hall. I was with my friends um, from my program and we noticed this guy who has this amazing background and is very like socially charismatic and humble and kind. and. We, we just wanted to get to know him more, and he quickly became the center of attention. There was about 10 of us gathered around, each of us kind of throwing off an, a question at him, and he just answered each of them so patiently and thoughtfully and eloquently that there's no way that this kid is 19 years old. Um, everything he said about his background, he just had so much maturity and wisdom in him, and he really felt to me like a younger version of Obama, I guess, someone that is really going to change the world. And I got really excited to have the opportunity to ask him to do an interview and to have him sit down in the dorm room we were staying in at the time and just be able to really dissect his background, his story, and how that's led to his beliefs um, and what he wants to do with those beliefs. I really respect um, his emphasis on his Greek Orthodox religion and roots, um, how he comes from Fiji and how he really cares so much about education and the future of the world and really trying to find his fit in that. Um, I have nothing but great faith um, that Jace is going to do incredible things in this world, Um, and I think you'll know why in a bit. So I really, really hope that you enjoy this lovely conversation that I really enjoyed um, with today's person of purpose, Jace Nath. hello jace it's great to have you here
1: hi thank you so much for having me i'm really excited for
0: this so our backstory was we met in the pool hall here at uh, university of pacific and something just seemed to bring us together how would you describe that what was the feeling you got that kind of attracted our group together
1: um it was really cool and it was really a chance meeting because i wasn't planning to be in the pool hall that night but i just ended up going up there and talking to you guys and i just felt like you guys are all a group of just warm and really friendly individuals Mm -hmm. and then talking to you guys just a sense of, you know, everybody definitely knows what they're talking about, but just everyone has genuine interest to learn about each other.
2: Yeah.
1: And it was really amazing because, um, I don't know, you guys just have this, I guess, kind of like a, a, a drawing. You guys draw people to you. So, yeah, I guess that's why you guys have such a big group.
0: Well We were certainly drawn to you. I remember, I think it was Don who's here in the audience <laughs> watching right now. <laughs> Um, yeah he kind of brought you over and he, I, he had this look in his eye like you guys need to meet Jace and then once we did I was like I was gonna go to bed it's really late it was like 1 or 2 or something like that mm-hmm. And then it's like no this guy is like very worth staying up for thank um, you I don't know if I've ever felt that way about a 19 year old before <laughs> you really impressed a lot of us
1: thank you so much I'm really happy to hear that I
0: feel really lucky good to have this chance I, I know we're coming back in February for another session of this like master's degree process and uh you mentioned you won't be here because you'll be in france yeah i (laughs) I wish i
1: would be here because you guys are really amazing and i'd love (laughs) to hang out with you guys again but yeah i'll be in france studying abroad
0: yeah that's really cool i think one thing that like um really impressed me really impressed a lot of people was how you carry so much diversity within you Mm -hmm. and how you walk so humbly when you carry that um And how you just seem to maintain like a very open mind about conversation, but you also have like words just flow from you and they flow with like a very um, even tone, very soft. And like they speak to like a deep part of me as like truth. And I don't know how you have that skill. I think that's a very rare skill. Um, I want to know just like when you introduce yourself, to a group of people and you're beyond like the names and like where are you from sort of thing. Like what what do you say? Like what is your identity? How do you how do you say like what is what is your culture and where are you from? All that sort of stuff.
1: Well, thank you for uh, saying that about me. Um, that, that's really nice. And when I introduce myself to a group of people and they ask about my cultural identity, I always say that I'm mixed because since i i mean i'm mixed with multiple ethnicities and also multiple cultures because i grew up with a primarily um indian cultural background my family focused on that my mom's family is indo-fijian so that's you know we had like the indian languages that we would speak like hindi or urdu and then those kind of things and um my dad's family is also Different cultures, but they primarily uh, focused on their Creole and Nicaraguan roots. So I grew up with all these things kind of combining together. And yeah, when I talk to someone and tell them about my cultural background or who I am, I always have to say mixed because I acknowledge that all these different cultural groups, like the Indian side, the Creole, and Nicaraguan side, came together to kind of make who I am. And also, Same thing with my religious background. My religion also plays a part in who I am, most definitely.
0: What's your religion?
1: Well, I'm Eastern Orthodox Christian, or more specifically Greek Orthodox. So, yeah, it's it's a wonderful uh, faith, I'd say. Um, It's the oldest branch of Christianity, the second largest in the world, and it's very mystical. People often say that the Western church is the very legalistic side of Christianity, whereas the Eastern side is the very mystical part. Mm, And I definitely feel like spiritually enriched whenever I go to services and participate or even when I'm sitting at home and just pray. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you think that is like an underlying aspect of your purpose is that you feel guided by this kind of Christian mysticism inside you?
1: Uh, Yeah, definitely. I feel like God is guiding me to the place that I need to be. Um, I often (laughs) wonder what my purpose is in life because, you know, everybody has a purpose. Everyone has a reason why they're put on this earth. And sometimes we don't know, or sometimes that purpose seems to change throughout our life. Um, So, yeah, I, I feel like I just need to trust God. And see which direction he's taking me. And I pray a lot. I pray to God. And um, as an Orthodox Christian, I also pray to the Theotokos, as we call her. The mother of God for her intercession. That
0: the I've, mother of God? What yeah, does that mean?
1: The, the Virgin Mary. Because, I mean, she's the mother of Christ, which mm. we believe is God. So, because she's the mother of God, we believe that she has powerful intercession for her son. So, I ask that. Through her intercession and through her son's blessing, I just go the right direction where I'm meant to go in my life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So most people tend to identify with their the culture that's most dominant within them and, and their ethnicity. Um, what or who influenced your desire to identify with all of them?
2: Hmm.
1: I'm not really sure if there's a person in particular Who influenced me to do that but I would say that definitely since I was little my parents always encouraged me to know that I'm mixed and to look into different cultures Um, since I was a kid I always had a deep interest in different cultures it started with ancient Egypt um, and ancient China and and I had books that I would read about them just be so so you know like um, just so hungry for knowledge about like you know the culture of these people and the history and then it started moving on to history about myself my family and my grandparents would always talk about well this is what happened in our family's history or like this is where we're from and that just made me proud of who i am and then because there was just so much cultures that i was involved with I guess that kind of made me proud of all that, too. So I just became someone who identified with all that I am. Mm -hmm. And then now that I'm older, I also look at it in a way that my ancestors all contributed somehow to where I am today. Mm -hmm. Without them, I wouldn't be here. So if I don't acknowledge them, then I'm really not acknowledging what brought me here. Or what allows me? to Do you be feel
0: here. like all these identities inside you have a sense of har- harmony, or are there any periods where there's a little bit of tension between them?
1: Um, do you mean tension within myself, or tension between like other people who
0: don't really like? Do you feel absurd? I guess both. I, I'm. My question was meant to be more internal. Mm-hmm. Do you feel any internalized tension because maybe there's a conflict between identities within?
1: Um. I'd say when I was a kid, definitely, there was a period where my grandparents would tell me, you know, like, you're Indian, you're just Indian, because, I mean, they're both Indo-Fijian, so, I mean, that that's their culture, and when my parents would go to work, they would leave me with my grandparents, and I would be around them all the time, so that's why I grew up in that col- that culture dominantly, and so I would go to school, and people would talk to me, and they would, you know say like oh yeah you're mixed and i would say no i'm just indian but then i would have people from the indian community reject me because i wasn't fully one of them so they didn't want me to be one of them and then i would go and be with african-american people and they would reject me Mm -hmm. because i was mixed and then the same thing happened with like um caucasian americans or like uh, other groups and it was quite a difficult time to fit in and during that period i felt like hmm I don't know what to identify as because I can't just say that I'm just Indian or that I'm just African American or whatever Mm -hmm. because people won't accept me.
0: How did that affect your sense of self-esteem?
1: During that period I'd say that I became much more timid and that I started kind of doubting myself in terms of if people would really accept me for my background and like, that's why during that time, I also stopped speaking Hindi for a portion of my life because that was my native language. And if I would speak it to people, there would be some people who would say like, oh, you have an accent or, oh, wow, I'm just so surprised that you speak Hindi because you don't look like you can. And that would really turn me off.
0: Definitely.
1: Yeah. Don't
0: look like you can. Yeah. That so-
1: I. really don't know that (laughs) hearing that um would make me really dumbfounded sometimes too so Mm. yeah that was a really difficult period but i moved past
0: that how did you reach a point where you found balance and were able to give tribute to all the different cultures that you identify by
2: Mm,
1: well i definitely continued researching into the different backgrounds that i have and learning more about them and also participating in them, um, and I didn't let that part of who I am die. Um, and then I definitely say that as I got older and I was able to be part of organizations or clubs where these cultural groups were or would display, you know, their their traditions and stuff. That also helped me a lot um, in terms of that. And then definitely. Uh, I guess one kind of interesting way that um, I became more proud of different parts of me is when I took a DNA test mm. because that showed me like specifically where my ancestors were from and like how mixed I am. And I was like, wow,
0: you showed me the, yeah. the whole globe <laughs> when you showed me that. Yeah, it's, it's like, pretty everything spread, spread out. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, that that definitely played a part in me becoming, I guess, much more, you um, proud of who I am and more confident in who I am. Yeah. yeah.
0: Do you think as you became more proud and confident you just carried that with you, people started to accept you more? Or how did how did you feel more acceptance from others? Did you, you mentioned as you got older you felt more of that? What was the what was the cause What contributed to that acceptance? Mm,
1: I think a real turning point was in high school. Because in high school when I came there there were a lot more people who were mixed and even being around people of different ethnic groups, like they were older now. They saw that, yeah, there are people in the world who are mixed or who are different, and it's time to come and accept them. When I was a kid, I don't think people realized that as much. And even when I was in middle school, um, in seventh and eighth grade, I was in a class of only 17 students. I was in a private school. And I was really the only student of color in that class and it was really difficult because I had people telling me that one, I shouldn't be proud of being mixed two that. I should like really blatant comments, like go back to Africa or stuff like that. And, um,
0: where was your high school?
1: It was here in Stockton. Yeah. It was here in California, which many people say is the most accepting place in the United States, but we do have our problems too. And, like going from that to a high school that was much more open made me feel a whole lot better Mm. and it kind of started making me i guess as you said carry it with me so now when people meet me they often find out that i'm so mixed and that i'm so proud of the different backgrounds that i have and then the knowledge and familiarity that i have with the different cultures and i think that makes me feel better and happier So, yeah, Yeah. I hope that answers your question.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it does. That blew me away. All the different knowledge you could spout about so many different cultures and just also how you can speak, what, six languages completely fluently? Yes, yes. So, yeah, (laughs) you're not speaking in your first language right now. That's just unbelievable to me. (laughs) Thank you. Is there a culture or ethnicity that most people mistake or assume that you are?
1: Yes. uh, Most people think I'm just African-American. And for me, it's kind of funny because outwardly, I guess I do look majority African-American. Um, but internally, I'd say that my dominant culture is always the Indian culture. And when I would visit Fiji, often I would expect people just to look at me as one of them. But people often would think that I was from Jamaica or something like that's the most common thing that I would get told is are you from Jamaica and when I would speak in Hindi they would get surprised so I guess it depends on where I am too because different people see me differently
0: Hmm. yeah and you mentioned earlier you feel like most of you is Indian yeah and Nepalese as well yeah culturally?
1: yeah um,
0: Yeah, maybe take me through some of your parents' background and how they decided to raise you.
1: Well, uh, my mother, her mother came to the United States for education. Um, Her father was a very famous politician in Fiji, and all of her siblings would go to different countries for university. So she decided to come to the United States. And when she came here, she married my mother's father, who was mixed. My mother was born, and she grew up knowing that she was mixed, but she was raised dominantly in a predominantly in an Indian culture as well. And that's why when I was born, she raised me that way too. Um, and my dad, his mom was originally from Nicaragua, and her father was from Brazil, and she came to the United States when she was about three years old because they were fleeing from some political unrest and um, social instability in the country. And she kind of, when she came to the United States, she came to New Orleans and she kind of adopted the culture of New Orleans. And she married my grandfather who's Creole. So that mixture there, you know, my dad grew up thinking that he was mixed and knowing that he was mixed, but he identified primarily as African-American or Creole. So growing up, both of my parents took those cultural identities and kind of merged it together. My dad did adopt a lot of aspects of Indian culture. Um, Like he started learning Hindi from my mom, started learning some Indian cooking and uh, different things like that. But they always tried to remind me that I'm mixed and that I shouldn't forget that and Mm -hmm. that I should always embrace culture and love that. Because culture and diversity is something that makes our world beautiful.
0: How did you start to know that like for yourself? Like it's easy to have a parent tell you something that you need to believe, but when did you internalize that that you actually believe that embracing all the culture was really beautiful?
2: Mm,
1: I'm not really sure when specifically, but I do think that since I was a child, that is something that. I tried to do because I was so interested in multiple cultures. I would always ask people where they were from or where their family was from. And when they would tell me, then I would start asking questions about their culture or like how similar it was to mine or how different it was. And I just try to learn so much about it. And then like seeing how people were different culturally or even historically, how, how their history would connect with each other or how it would be so different, like African history is different from Asian history or European history, Mm -hmm. it would just make me so interested.
0: What are those aspects of beauty that you tend to focus on when you really appreciate cultures?
1: Mm, I definitely like the spiritual aspects of culture, and I also like the social aspects of culture, so for example, in Asia I really like how if you look at the history of Buddhism and Hinduism when it spread out of India and moved to the rest of Asia it took like this different cultural aspect in each country Chinese Buddhism is different from the Buddhism of Cambodia or from Thailand like it changes depending on where they are Mm -hmm. and you can see kind of the I don't know if it would be the thought processes but it would be like just the the vibe that the people give off, I guess, in their in their religious traditions, um, and they add their own little touch to it, mm-hmm. and it's just so wonderful to me because it just is something unique. Um, I mean, something that I I think about or say often is: imagine how boring the world would be if we were all the same person. It it wouldn't have any. Flavor, I guess. Do
0: you think the world's trying to make us all the same person?
1: Sometimes, yes. Definitely in American society, I've noticed that many people believe that in order to be part of American society, you have to conform. But my opinion is that America is a country that was built on diversity, where it was built, it was meant to be a place where people of different backgrounds could come together and live together. And I don't really think that involves conforming necessarily. You don't have to give up who you are to be an American. Mm -hmm. You have to come into the society and continue being who you are because being who you are and being part of the American society is just embracing the diversity we have here.
0: Do you think the state of American society is, is more so like you're living in an oppressive system or a free society?
1: I think it depends. We definitely have aspects of freedom here. Um, we are a lot more liberal than a lot of other countries, Um, but we do have places where we fall behind. Um, We have made some progression in issues such as racism and sexism in our country. But if you look at it, it's still here, and it's still a really prevalent issue. Even in places like this university where I'm attending, UOP, it's a beautiful place. there's a lot of nice people, but we still face issues such as racism, sexism, homophobia, xenophobia. It's all present here and what
0: injustices have personally impacted you here
1: mm I definitely say racism has um, in how is that
0: experienced how do you How do you know that racism is occurring
1: well um one example I can say is that. When I was um, a part of BSU, we had elections for um, leadership positions and I was elected to be the president of the organization. And then later on, I was kicked out of my position before the semester started. And I was told that it was because someone had gone to the supervisor and said that I had violated the election rules or whatever. I was like, okay, I don't know how I did that because I followed all the procedures. But later on that person came to me and said you know the real reason why i got you kicked out of that position is because i don't think that you should be in a place where you can represent a black organization you're too rich to be black and you talk too white to be a black person you're not one of us so in a university setting that is it's really unexpected because you think that in a place where people come to cultivate intellectuality and and to learn about the world and learn about people, that they'd be more willing to embrace different aspects of their society. Mm-hmm. African Americans are different from each other in the way that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like white course. people are different from each other. Asian <laughs> people are different from each other. We all have different aspects to our ethnic groups. Not everybody is the same. And you can't expect someone to... I guess, embody a stereotype in order to represent a certain organization or a group of people.
0: So, like, what's your response? You just started off this this interview talking about how you really carry a sense of, like, Christian spirit within you. Mm-hmm. How do you respond to somebody with such a hate-filled kind of intention towards you?
1: Patience. Patience and... Um, the ability to really think about what you're going to say strategically because you don't want to say something that will one hurt the person because as a Christian person the bible teaches us that we're not supposed to really use our words to break people down we're supposed to use them constructively so you can criticize a person and, yes, yeah, sometimes criticism hurts because, I mean, medicine sometimes is bitter. But in the end, it heals you or it, it changes what needs to be changed. And in this case, words can change what needs to be changed. Um, you need to also have you need to have patience, as I said earlier, because you need to go about it slowly you don't want to rush into making a decision on what you're gonna do i didn't just abdicate my position at that moment Mm -hmm. and i didn't just fight that person in the moment i thought about what was said to me and then i decided well i'll go meet with the supervisor and tell the supervisor my point of view and what happened from my perspective Mm -hmm. and then I expressed these things to the supervisor, but I also went and talked to the person who said these things to me and said, you know, the things that you said to me were quite wrong, and this is why. And it helped to change some things in the situation, and I was offered to get that position back, but I said no, because I didn't really want to represent an organization that seeks to, I guess, divide people in a way. Because if you're not going to be an organization that represents all aspects of your community, then really what's the point? Like mm-hmm. if you're going to ostracize someone in your community who's successful and trying their best, you know, to, to represent everyone and, and to make everybody's voices heard, like then, then what's the point of having that organization? You just let go of something that was beneficial to you mm-hmm. so that's why i was like uh ah, i'm just not going to be a part of it
0: so i was stalking your instagram page with ten point four thousand followers <laughs> um anyways like i noticed that you continue to win this prestigious award here at UP it's like the homecoming prince yes what is that and it <laughs> why have you won this <laughs>
1: Well, uh, just like high school, we have homecoming here at UOP. And the difference is that we don't have a football team. So homecoming is for the basketball uh, games. And there is a homecoming court, just like um, how they elect in high school, like a homecoming court. They elect a university homecoming court with a prince and a princess to represent each year freshman sophomore junior senior and um, out of the senior category they elect three pairs of people a prince and a princess and one of those people becomes a king and a queen Mm -hmm. so the homecoming at UOP seeks to encourage people to be leaders and they represent the university they're the face of our school and they also respect or uh, represent a different aspect of the school so for me as both the freshman homecoming prince and the sophomore homecoming prince i was elected two years in a row i tried to do things to encourage diversity and um, work with different groups of different ethnic backgrounds for example bsu i uh, worked with them and I put together UOP.
0: you is the organization that cut you out of. Yeah, that.
1: yeah. You worked with them. I worked with them before I was cut out. Mm, um, okay. So I had uh, put together UOP's first ever Kwanzaa celebration, um, and I made it a celebration that tried to inform people about the history of African Americans in our country, and also um, Afro diasporic communities in the Caribbean and all over the Americas so I did things like that and then I also worked with um, the Indian Student Association and um, even the I put together the OCF which is the Orthodox Christian Fellowship on campus so you work with different groups on campus in order to promote a certain value I guess that Pacific stands for and you also try to help raise funds for the school and also for philanthropy um, any charity and and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so it's definitely a really good opportunity to work with people and to try to to make our school a better place and, and and enrich our community so i love that
0: who is a a person of purpose or someone that you think is really doing a lot to make the world a better place
1: currently or throughout history
0: however you want to take it
1: well um, if I had to pick one person right now who's living I'd say Michelle Obama because she definitely has been a person who has stood up for education um, gender equality and and different social issues and you know throughout her husband's um, term in office you would see that even she was the recipient of so much backlash from people or abuse and, and just so many things were said about her. But as a true leader, she held her head up high and did her best and led a great legacy. You know, she left a, a, an amazing legacy and she still continues that to this day. Um, she hasn't silenced her, herself just because her president isn't, or her husband isn't the president anymore. Um, so for me that's a really amazing person but if i had to also look throughout history i'd say that gandhi was an amazing person as well gandhi definitely tried to encourage people to do things peacefully Nonviolence is the key and in India, the motto of the country is which means truth alone triumphs. And that's something that Gandhi tried to embody himself is that truth can get you far and truth can definitely conquer some of the most difficult of adversities that you face if you do things in truth and if you do things in patience and peace. So that's something that I definitely try to embody as I go throughout my life is to do things truthfully um, and peacefully and to, to take things as they come, not to rush through things. Because, I mean, doing all those things can definitely help you to do things the best.
0: So you mentioned before that you were kind of struggling to sum up what your purpose was. Um Am I right to sense that, like, you don't necessarily have an agenda of what you're trying to accomplish in the world? You take things as they come and you respond with a certain manner? Or how do you think of, like, truth, patience, and peace? And are those tools to reach an end that you have in mind? Or is that, in a way, the end itself? That you being in that, that mindset, that state of being is, is purposeful?
1: well i definitely would say that i have a goal because um i want to become well my goal is to definitely become a politician who works with other countries to try to mediate conflict and stuff like that but when i say to take things as they come i'm saying i guess when you are faced with adversity or some kind of issue in that moment you want to focus on how you're going to tackle that specific thing and then as you move on throughout life new developments come and life takes you in different paths it's not always like a straight path there's curves and there's bumps and you move along you just do what's best to keep going on that path that you're meant to be on Um, and definitely I, I think that Like as you move on through life um, focusing on your goal but not letting it consume yourself is important because my goal is definitely to become a politician or to become someone who does stuff like that with other countries but I don't want to make that something that I focus on too much that I start to neglect myself Mm -hmm. and what's going on around me in the present moment because all of that eventually leads to that goal hopefully but you just want to take things as they come and you want to try to be the best person that you can be in every aspect of your life not just in the future but now too
2: (laughs)
0: If you're a teacher looking for a summer job that allows you to travel as far away from the classroom as you possibly can, and still make good money, I have the perfect job for you. One way I was able to spend my last year and a half living in Asia and seeing so much in North America was because I worked online. I taught English online to Chinese students through VIPKID. VIPKID is one of the fastest growing startups in China. It started in 2014 and is growing rapidly because they pay teachers well, allow you to work from anywhere in the world with a stable Wi-Fi connection, and allow you to make your own schedule amongst all kinds of other support and benefits. VIPKID uses their own platform and materials for their students that, in which they place students at their appropriate levels. They also do all the scheduling and payroll for you. You don't have to worry about the hassles of building lessons Or curriculum either because VIP kid has already done it for you. Classes are one-on-one video calls with students ages 5 to 12 in China. You just fill in your time slots and you're good to go. A class is essentially a 25-minute Skype or Zoom video session with an awesome kid and you work through the activities on the slides with them. The part I love is that you can work from the beach, the mountains, or any continent in the world. I've worked from Yosemite National Park, Montreal, Canada, New York City, the islands of Thailand and the Philippines, just to name a few. Just make sure you have a stable Wi-Fi connection and your availability aligns with the after-school hours in China. Find out for yourself why more than 40,000 teachers and 300,000 students teach and learn with VIPKid and explore the greater world around you without having to forgo your paycheck. Trust me, The 20 to 30 bucks an hour will go a long way in most countries. So, what are you waiting for? Sign up today and start teaching as often as you wish. If you have a bachelor's degree, are a native English speaker from North America, and have teaching experience experience can be loosely applied you stand a strong shot with this rapidly expanding company. You don't have to be a formal teacher, the key is experience in teaching. VIP Kid will certainly open up your world like it has mine. To get started, just follow the links I've included in the episode's show notes and sign up with my referral code, 0275KC, and we'll both get up to $100 in rewards once you teach your first class. Share culture, open up the world for your students, and begin your paid vacation today with VIPKID. Who's been your greatest teacher?
1: <laughs> it's kind of a difficult question because I have so many role models in my life, but
0: who's given you such like direct lessons that you have dialogued with and engaged with and has like been instrumental in your individual growth?
1: I definitely say my grandmother. My grandmother is a very wise woman, and she has always always given me such good advice. Advice that she's learned from her parents um advice that she's just you know picked up throughout her experiences in life and even things that she's learned from her personal journey with faith she's enriched my life so much with these different things um she's always taught me to be a person who is peaceful like embodies those three virtues that i talked about earlier that gandhi
0: Peace, patience, and truth.
1: Definitely. That's the kind of person that she is and that she's always kind of encouraged me to be. But she's always given me encouragement when it comes to trying to be the best version of myself that I could be. And trying to be helpful to people always. Because, you know, one one time when I was a child, she saw me, um, I guess my face was... in in a very, like, sad expression or upset expression or something. And she said, why aren't you smiling? And I said, I don't know. There's no reason to smile. And she (laughs) said, (laughs) and she told me, she said, no, you should always smile because you don't, one, you don't want to look unhappy because you shouldn't be unhappy. You're living, and that's something, something to be happy about. And secondly, you don't know what kind of a difference your smile can make in the life of another person. Because some, pe- sometimes some people need to look at your smile in order to be happy again, you know? Um, and I've always kinda tried to embody that throughout the rest of my life is that I should always be welcoming and smiling at people when I see them, because I don't know what people are going through.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And sometimes the little smile that I give them or the little compliment I give them can make a difference in their day and in turn, make some kind of difference in their life. And that's just something that I'm so thankful that I learned from her. And then the second thing that I'd say is very important that I learned from her is that I should never give up on God because for me, God has been a foundation and a support for times when I feel like I don't have anyone or that I don't have anything to depend on. God has always been there for me and going to church and chanting or praying, those things always bring me so much peace that other aspects of my life can't do. And I feel like if I didn't have God or if I didn't have those aspects of faith in my life, I'd be just an empty person because it just brings so much color into my days. I feel like if I have a day without praying or like, you know, thinking about God at least once, then it's a day that I haven't really lived.
0: So what is God? What is it that you think about when you're thinking about God
1: What do you mean? Because that's that's a really... um,
0: How do you define what God means? What does the concept God mean to you when you're using it in words? I think that's something that um, isn't just a universally known word anymore. What does it mean to you? Well,
1: I guess one way that I could approach this question is what... Persona does God take on in my life? I guess. Um, If that's the right word to use, I hope that is. But I see God not only as some kind of heavenly being with unlimited powers or whatever, but God is also my friend. And God is also like my father, my advisor, someone that I can trust to tell anything to, and even though sometimes it feels like he's not there, he is there. I just have to look for him and find him. Um, As a friend, I mean, just like you can sit with your friends and, and share good moments and being around your friends make you feel happier, somehow God also makes me feel happier. And spending moments with God through prayer or meditating upon like the Bible or, or different things, that just brings me so much peace, just like being around a friend
0: would. What are some of these practices you do to get closer to God? You just mentioned some, meditating with the Bible, chanting. And you list some of these other things that you do on a regular basis to feel close to God.
1: Well, in the Eastern Orthodox Church, we have an item that's called a komoskini in Greek or a chotki in Russian, and that's um, translated to prayer rope. It is a string of usually 33, um, 99, 100 or 50 knots that are tied, and you use it to keep track of your prayers. And the prayer that we mainly say on it is, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. And you say the first half of the prayer when you take a breath in and the second half of the prayer when you breathe out. Because that way, it becomes natural for you, just like breathing. And it's supposed to become the prayer of the heart so that when you move through life, you just naturally think that. And it just becomes a part of your daily rhythm, you know, that that mm-hmm. rhythm of living. And I mean, saying it like 100 times, 200 times, I mean, spending that moment with God just brings you so much peace because you focus on the words of that prayer and you let everything else that is around you just go away.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it just feels like it's like a one-on-one time between you and God. We also do say other prayers on there, um, like to the Ceutokos and and other things, or not other things, but other people, mm-hmm. um, other saints. And we ask for their intercessions and that also makes me feel good because you just know that there are other people there who are cheering you on through your journey in life and Mm
2: -hmm. this
1: spiritual, it's kind of like a a race from start to finish, you know, like you start off as a kid and then you finish when you die And that finish line. When you cross that finish line, you get to God. It's like they're cheering you on along this race through life.
0: That's super optimistic.
1: Is it? I, I feel like that's just what it helps me to remember. And it just makes me imagery. think of them. Yeah. It is It is a race.
0: Have you found that you've been able to like quickly transform someone's mentality with just a simple image or statement or parable or anything like that? Um,
1: well, <laughs> oftentimes I don't think that's what I'm doing, but people tell me that that's what I've done. So I guess so. Uh, <laughs> I like to try and help people by giving them advice. Many of my friends come to me when they're having a problem and I just try to talk to them and help them to understand things because many people often look at things from a very negative point of view. Mm -hmm. Like, oh no, I failed this test. This is it. I'm never going to do anything well ever again. And then I try to encourage them to look at the positive side like well yeah you failed this test but there's another exam coming up soon you can do even better on that and you can bring your grade up right or things like that and many people have told me that by me speaking to them in that way um and encouraging them that they felt again that they have some kind of like ability to do something or that they have a drive again.
0: So you empower people with just some simple advice.
1: I hope so. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or with discussions. Um, And oftentimes, you know, people will text me and just be like, hey, do you have a minute? And that minute turns into a half an hour of conversing with them. (laughs) I gonna talk to you for half an hour. (laughs) Trying to make them feel better. And and it's good. It works. Mm -hmm. And not only does it make them feel better, but it also makes me feel happy that I can discuss with someone and, and try to make a difference in their day or in their life.
0: Do you have like a um, 60 second idea that would change the world if everyone adopted your idea?
1: I don't think I have one at the current moment <laughs> because that's very difficult. Um, there are so many aspects of just society that need work. So I don't think you could come up with one fix-all solution.
0: So when you're the politician working intercontinentally, inter-nationally, interethnically, inter-ethnically, every intersection you can think of, um, what what's your angle? What is it that you think that you can fix? Is it, what is it, sociopolitical, socioeconomic? Is it, uh, what is it?
1: I definitely like to focus on the socio political aspects of um, our world and also focus on working with people to overcome their prejudices and, and biases because, you know, there's, a, there's so many biases that we have, even though many of us think that we don't have a bias, like, we, we all have one. multiple and we all make assumptions about people just by looking at them and that's something that we need to work on overcoming as human beings it's very difficult but helping people to be more open to other perspectives or other ways of living is instrumental in helping the world to become a better place mm-hmm. because i believe that many of the conflicts that we have these days come from cultural misunderstanding i mean if you look at the middle east there are many issues that people just generalize as being like oh uh, and in palestine and israel for example it's the jews versus the muslims in reality it's not it's the israelis versus the palestinians and within Palestine, you have the Palestinian Muslims, you have the Palestinian Orthodox Christians, you have an array of different religions and um, social practices and, and, and societal like ways of living, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then in Israel, you also have the same. And it's not a religious war. It's a war between people and, and their state that they're living in. So, working with people to fix things like that, I think is very important.
0: So, I'm a, I'm becoming a teacher, and it seems very clear to me that one of the places that culture can be learned and taught and appreciated and experienced um, is in school. Mm-hmm. How do you think our school system should change to facilitate more harmony amongst cultures?
1: One of the ways that I believe we could work on that would be by um, starting foreign language instruction at a young age. If you go to Europe, for example, students start learning other languages at a very young age. And by the time that they're in high school, they can often speak three or four languages. Why can't we do that here? And by learning another language, I think that you also learn to think from a different mindset. You start thinking in the way uh, uh, that the people who speak that language do because a language isn't just a way of communication but it also contains, like, different aspects of a person's culture Mm -hmm. or um, different pieces of that society. Um, Let's take Japanese, for example, or even Hindi. There are different levels of formality to speak to different age groups or different social hierarchies and things like that. And that's because those cultures are so stratified Um, whereas in America it's not it doesn't have that much of a social stratification so if you think in Hindi then you have to start thinking about well I mean what is this person's position in relation to me how do I treat them how do I show them with respect if I'm speaking to them Mm -hmm. so if we start doing that in our school system then we'll definitely encourage people to start accepting diversity or understanding more uh, cultures and then at the same time There should be more instruction about different kinds of history and different kinds of cultural groups in our schools. Um, Oftentimes, many schools don't teach African history, or they focus so heavily on American history, but they don't talk about Native American history before Columbus came to the Americas. And there's so much rich history as to You know, like the um, civilizations in the southern part of the United States that built pyramids um, or or, or earth mounds, things Mm -hmm. like that. Many people don't know about that. Or that in Africa, there were kingdoms that were richer than Europe and and had so much gold to spare that they caused Egypt to go um, to have so much inflation that gold had no no more value in that country. So... If we could teach people about these things, I really feel like it would H- be better. How
0: were you taught these things growing up in America? <clears throat> um,
1: about different cultures? or mm-hmm.
0: well, all came from your family?
1: It came from my family. It came from reading because I loved reading as a child. I still love reading. I read articles all the time or read books or whatever. Anything that I could get my hands on. Um, and I love watching documentaries because they're so informative and they they teach you so many things through pictures and and videos so you can actually see um what people do that is so different or that is so similar to you and i love even going to places and experiencing um, them so when i was a kid i would often visit different religious organizations and experience or ask questions i visit like the buddhist temple or the hindu temple a lot um i even went to a mosque before um things like that or even visiting other countries since i've traveled outside the united states a lot they definitely have taught me many things
0: i 100 percent agree about that last point that significantly changed my life to make it out of the country when i was 19 it was my first time yeah like <laughs> i was one of these people that didn't learn a foreign language until high school wow. i like learned spanish like one hour a day for like a year and never use it outside of my classroom mm-hmm. and then i took a like trip through central america for a month as a backpacker i was like wow i absolutely love this like everything is so exciting and fresh and new and i definitely have the mindset of like there's a lot of things to appreciate and i don't even know what that is yet but i'm like really open to explore that and like i'm a white person i'm like from the midwest i'm sure and i know i still do make plenty of mistakes um but i'd much prefer to like be out there making some mistakes and learning and taking it back than just like staying where i'm comfortable around like other white people in the midwest and having notions of everyone else is bad and wrong but like my space is good you know i think that's like a isolationist sort of stance to take and it's causing a lot of fragmentation in our country now And it happens at borders around the world, too. I remember we had that conversation in the pool hall area about how you wanted to solve peace conflicts on borders. And you talked about, like, Greece and Turkey, I think. Yeah. Why are you drawn to stuff like that? That's really hard, hard work to do. That's, like, some of the, like, most systemic forms of conflict out there. You think you can make a dent in that?
1: Well, I definitely feel like... I'm. I don't want to. I don't want it to sound like I think that I can solve the problem because I myself can't. We all need to work together to solve that issue. Mm-hmm. But it's important to encourage others to work with you to solve that problem, and that's something that I want to do is definitely like encourage people to work on that um, problem in regards to Greece and Turkey. I'm so drawn to that conflict because i mean i do have some greek and turkish in me and even going to the greek orthodox church i'm surrounded by greek people everywhere and seeing that i guess both of these ethnic groups can coexist within me and in my background then why can't they do that in real life it's the same with India and Pakistan were essentially the same people, just divided on basis of religion and a little bit on on basis of culture because religion kind of shapes culture. And that's also one of the problems between Greece and Turkey is that the religion shapes the way that they look at things and, and they really look at things differently. But if they were to realize that they are so much more similar than different, And that could help to start fixing a lot of the issues in those countries. Um, And I definitely want to work with that because since I love culture and um, I love learning about religions, I want to help people to see that the beauty in how similar they are more than how different they are. 100%.
0: I love that. Yeah.
1: So if we could work with countries that are going through those kind of issues and they're right next to each other, I mean, they can start learning that their shared history is is a lot more similar than they think it is. And it can help fix the problem. But yeah, I most definitely do not think that by myself I can fix the problem. I can't do that.
0: Yeah, obviously. (laughs) Do You have any like um, universals you believe to be true about people? You say we're all so similar to each other. What is universal about us? that we could tap into for positivity and growth and love and all that stuff?
1: Well, um, I kind of look at Orthodox philosophy or theology for this. Um, Just like God, human beings are relational. God is a trinity and he has a relationship with the different parts of him. One God united in spirit. And humanity is likewise relational. We're all human beings and we desire to have a relationship with people whether it's um like a friendship or a romantic relationship whatever we find peace um and we try to find peace having a good relationship mm-hmm. with people and as a people i think we should likewise be united as one rather than being so divided into a million different groups that dislike each other we're all human beings we we breathe the same air we bleed the same blood and I mean why is it so hard to coexist with one another I mean human beings are not perfect we all make mistakes and we all have our own prejudices but why is it so difficult to learn to move past that Um, I guess the universal in this case would be yeah that we're all relational and that we desire to form friendships or relationships with people, so we should try to do that universally. I guess I don't know if I answered that question well. Oh, no, that was cool. I'm trying to. I <laughs> I
0: love the parallel between friendship and God that you mentioned earlier, and you're kind of tying them again together as like a tool to to propel humanity forward together. Mm-hmm. It makes sense to me. Yeah. What's like um. I want to try to, like, focus on takeaways that listeners could could do to kind of foster some of this internal growth in themselves and within their, like, micro-communities. What is, like, a book you would hand somebody? What's a documentary you would send somebody um, that really gets at kind of the core of what we talked about today? Um, I feel like there's so many different aspects
1: of the conversation that it would be hard to just give one. That's true. But... What part of the conversation would you like me to focus on? The spiritual aspects, the cultural aspect?
0: You. What propels you most forward in purpose besides the Bible?
1: (laughs) Besides the Bible.
0: And maybe with this angle of diversity. This angle of diversity.
1: Um, Well, one book that definitely revealed to me things about or issues that we have in American society was a book called Blaming the Poor. And I read that in my um, anthropology class last year. And it talked about how in American society there's this common problem of dispossessing a group and like taking away their resources and then kind of dehumanizing them and then you know, people start to have a paradigm shift, and they and they see them as just bad. Mm-hmm. And
0: don't go there; that's scary.
1: It, it is kind of a, <laughs> a scary thing. It's
0: like where my mom taught me about yeah, yeah, about homeless people; like they're scary.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of. I mean, it's not just kind of wrong; it's very wrong that we do that in our society, and that's a common thing that's been done to minority groups to. Um, different groups throughout our society, and that book really revealed a lot to me.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, another book that was also very uh, interesting to me was um, one that was called "How to Make Friends and Influence People," something like, like that. Dale Carnegie. Yeah. Yeah. It, it it gives a lot of tips on <laughs> how to um, be a constructive member of society. Yeah. So I I definitely think those are two good reads. You
0: read the whole book?
1: No, I didn't read the whole book. But I did get um, quite a lot of information from that book because my parents had me read it as a child. But I think that because I was so young and I uh, had bought another book at the same time, I was just so eager to start reading this other book that I kind of didn't finish that book. (laughs) But now that I'm older, I definitely can
0: how about the documentary?
1: Hmm, a documentary. I watched so many of them that it would be difficult to give a specific one, but I think um, watching any documentary that talks about different cultural groups around the world or any documentary that talks about faith would be interesting. Many people don't know about the Eastern Orthodox faith. so. There is one documentary that you could look up on YouTube um, it's something about iconography I don't remember what it's called but it gives a beautiful look into why icons are so important for the Orthodox the theology behind them how they reflect our faith and you know just how how a person's belief in god can be captured in in just like a small painting Hmm. so i think that would definitely be fascinating
0: yeah art does seem to have that effect of like kind of reflecting some sort of consciousness we all share i think i think there's something to read in art as like a unifying force
1: yeah um the documentary is called the icon and it's a seven-part documentary um it was made i believe originally in serbia and it was um dubbed into English or or something like that but it's very very interesting because for us the icon isn't just a picture but it is it is a window into heaven that's the common saying because it reveals to us the essence of a person or of a specific moment in the church's history or in biblical history that can't just be revealed through words Mm. and it's a still image that inspires piety in the person that views it like when you look at an icon and you look into the eyes of a saint it almost gives you like a feeling of peace and reassurance Mm -hmm. and not only that it gives you hope because as the spirit of God and his love for humanity is reflected in that incredible individual Mm. in that icon you have that hope and assurance that one day god's love for humanity and his kindness and and warmth and mercy will also be reflected from you that's something that i also want to inspire people with is that i want them to feel god's love for humanity through my actions
0: that's the purpose
1: it is I, i guess that's the purpose huh I want, to, <laughs> I want to encourage people to feel that, you know? I don't want to walk away from being with someone in a conversation and feel like it was pointless. I want them to feel happy and I want them to feel refreshed and, and good and to feel God's love through me.
0: sounds like a good ending good (laughs) thanks for telling your story it's a beautiful story
1: thank you so much for letting me be a part of your podcast i really enjoyed it and i hope that this conversation definitely does inspire someone
0: i'm sure it will thank you james
1: thank you so much
0: Perhaps the most helpful, inspiring, and uplifting thing that you can do is leave your feedback. I would love to hear from you how people of purpose is impacting your life. It's so energizing to know that someone out there in the world of the internet is listening to this thing we're creating. It's hard to know how the project is doing when there's not an audience in front of you to give immediate feedback. The weekly personal message or the occasional review is the most inspiring part of producing and publishing this show. It's oftentimes the most inspiring part of my week but we need more. Let me know what's resonating and what could use some improvement. If you have new ideas or a question you'd like to ask me, please don't hesitate. This is one instance in which you can exercise your personal power to shape the show. Consider yourself our freelance consultant. And don't forget, if you want to sign up for the POP newsletter or become a volunteer, please reach out. Email us at peopleofpurposepodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com or leave a direct message through our Facebook or Instagram pages. Thank you for your support and listenership, and here's to becoming...